0: In 1990, the internet as we know it was created. An invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence. A wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface. The strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the weird wide web
1: Talking about aliens and then they have gray skin and then you blow them up i'm talking about the game i played this weekend
0: <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the weird wide web oh he tricked me episode 16 Season episode 16. Yeah. We're
1: throwing a sweet 16! A quinceañera? That would have been last episode. Oh. Sweet 16! <laughs> We're giving out candles.
0: <laughs> I am very excited for today's episode because it is a topic that is near and dear to my heart.
1: Blood. No.
0: That would be near and dear to your heart. It would be very near, I guess, dear to my heart. It's, yeah, pretty essential, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. We're talking about UFOs, baby. <gasps> uh,
1: don't mean to be a stickler here, but okay, do you actually call them UFOs? UAPs?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that's the new, like, nomenclature that the government is trying to push on us to You know, diminish the stigma around people coming forward and talking about their experiences, which is a good thing, but they will always be UFOs in my mind.
1: Yeah, I I like that too.
0: I was just saying that because I know you you would, of course, be like, well, I can't look wrong here, not with my UFO friends. (laughs) Don't make me look dumb in front of my UFO friends, Dad. (laughs) So, where do you land on the spectrum? Believer, non believer? Uh, if we're gonna, if it's like black and white,
1: um, believer, fuck yeah,
0: because there is no other way.
1: I just like uh the Shrek soundtrack, so that's why I'm a believer.
0: <laughs> Famous UFO mascot Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. So much has come out. It, it's it's of the realm. Let's face it. I'm a weirdo. The the audience knows this. I love a lot of the weird things I love, you know, cryptids and paranormal stuff and UFOs and and all that weird weird stuff. UFOs to me are the most like unquestionably true phenomenon. There is just like especially now, especially with like all of the government Corporations that are starting to do research and releasing information about data they've already collected. Oh. It it's, it's, they're, they're, it's real. They're, they're real. They, they, we don't know exactly what they are, but.
1: Well, our, I feel like our podcast tags are going
0: real hard into conspiracy right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Corporate overlords know <laughs> where the aliens are. Funny enough. Oh, shit that's going to be a going to be a big point of our topic today because we are talking about the largest hack against the US government in search of UFOs i'm in <laughs> so here we go on february 10th 1966 gary mckinnon was born in glasgow scotland His mother, Janice Sharp, was only 17 at the time. Gary was a shy, quiet kid and struggled to make friends from the get-go. His home life only exacerbated this fact. At six, Gary's birth father, Charlie, left his mom. Looking for a fresh start, Gary and his mother packed up all their belongings and moved to North London. Gary's mother soon found love again and married a musician named Wilson. However. Gary continued to struggle with socializing. School was difficult for Gary. He found it hard to focus on subjects that posed no interest to him. He found friendships few and far between and dealt with an increasing amount of bullying. Unknown to everyone, this was the cause of an issue that would go undiagnosed for years to come. These factors, trouble in school and difficult home life, pushed Gary deeper into isolation. He obsessed over his interests deep inside his room, hiding away from the problems of the real world. Gary immersed himself in his one true passion, space.
1: Uh, Gary sounds like just very convenient that Gary, four-letter name, has a Y in it, just obsesses in his
0: room. Born in Glasgow. (laughs) Glasgow? 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 Glasgow. Glasgow. Well, it, there's no C in it.
1: I feel, it's hard.
0: because well, it's you, Scotland because, so, you have to pronounce it as if you're drunk, yeah, right? I,
1: if you ask <laughs> anyone. to Glasgow. Glasgow.
0: Glasgow. <laughs> we, <just, laughs> we just offended our three listeners in Scotland. Sorry, guys. Move
1: Sorry. to North London. <laughs> then you'll be cool.
0: Gary poured through every book on space and astronomy he could get his hands on. Then, one event would realign his focus. Gary, 11 at the time, sat as he did in the safety of his room. His bedtime has come and passed as he fingers through the latest book on space. <laughs> Shut was, up.
1: There are so many innuendos in there. <laughs> that was just, yeah, he's sitting in his bedroom, coming, gone and fingers. <laughs> I'm just a wee little off from classical.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm a he doesn't have much of a scottish accent. he left when he was six
1: uh, that uh,
0: no i've heard him talk he doesn't oh, have yeah? much of a,
1: yeah. oh i oh, was like six years in scotland Can do that to you. <laughs> just,
0: that's like that's like a north london 12 <laughs> yeah a single light dimly fills his room clearly allowing the bright outside world to spill through his window Pausing to contemplate the last section of text he just read, Gary looks up and gazes through his window. At that moment, he sees it, a small glowing orb wiggling across the night sky. The movement is strange, not a plane or an asteroid. It's unnatural. But, to Gary, it is unmistakable. This was the UFO.
1: (gasps) Oh my god. Yeah. No way, a floating orb?
0: (laughs) Yeah, in the sky, wiggling through the sky.
1: Almost like you would say like a spotlight. No. Like a a spotlight with a guy who has really shaky hands. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Come on down! (laughs) Walking back home from school, Gary stops transfixed by a window display of a brand new technology, the computer. He is immediately drawn to the idea and proceeds to beg his mom for one. And during the constant pleading, Janice buys Gary, 14 at the time, his first computer. Again, Gary is transfixed and immerses himself in unlocking the potential of this new tool. In 1993, the now-defunct internet browser Mosaic was released. Gary makes quick work installing this portal to the World Wide Web and begins his hunt for all information related to the to UFOs. While his quest for UFO knowledge was flourishing, his schooling was vastly degrading. At the age of 17, Gary dropped out of high school. He had just started a new relationship with a high school sweetheart and was now training to become a hairdresser. An ever-rotating collection of other employments would quickly follow this job. His interest in computers, however, was unwavering. Pushed by some close friends, Gary enrolled in a new computing class at the University of North London. While he finally had found some schooling that interested him, when attempting the maths section of the program, he struggled immensely and dropped the class.
1: Nice. Maths. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. North London, baby.
0: (laughs) Maths. Maths. I got a love in maths.
1: I couldn't do maths because I I I like UFOs and Mm-mm. I count orbs in the sky and it <laughs> it's got like, uh, one and it's moving a lot. I I think there's only one. Um, okay. I'm just a little lad from Glasgow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that a wee <laughs> your foot in the sky, yeah. <laughs> Mom!
1: Look! Look up in the sky! <laughs> oh I think I just went like halfway through and I don't know what just started <laughs> happening to my accent.
0: The spark of computer programming was lit, though, and Gary continued his education, self-taught. Despite not finishing the computing course, his self-training soon paid off, and Gary started doing contract computer work around town. Gary was finding his comfortable spot in society, with each contract job getting better and eventually landing himself a business network support manager job. Throughout all of this, though, his search for UFO knowledge persisted, morphing into an obsession.
1: <laughs> and A little yell yeah, want to talk there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> My alter ego is trying to get out. More and more, it devoured all of his free time. The hunt strained his relationship and began affecting his job performance. Gary paid no attention to these side effects and pushed on his quest for the truth. In the late 1990s, Gary discovered the British UFO Research Association and quickly joined. Bufora, founded in 1964, is a collection of individuals joining together in the joint hunt for evidence and research on the UFO phenomenon.
1: That is an awesome name,
0: Bufora. For a group of people that I imagine mm-hmm. not to be the coolest or most awesome people. Yeah. Great name. Do you know what the US counterpart to it is? Uh NASA Mufon. Move Mufon? Move yeah. Like
1: these guys should get a life and move on from this UFO search?
0: Well, yeah. They were a very good organization that has been a dark cloud has gone has come over them. There are some allegations. We don't we don't associate ourselves with Mufon. Oh yeah, we're we're on the British side. We're with Bufora. Bufora. It's a better name. It is. Are they better people? So far, yes.
1: Oh, okay, then then we're with you, Bufora. Yeah, we're with you, but but we're watching. <laughs> you slip up, and we're going over to. I don't know. Eastern Europe has to have one. Yeah. Newphora. <laughs> New <fora. laughs> what is it? A bunch of high school kids drugged out looking for UFOs? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> on HBO Max <laughs> next year. Neuphora.
0: <laughs> Bufora, founded in 1964, is a collection of individuals joining together in the joint hunt for evidence and research on the UFO phenomenon. They investigated upwards of 400 cases a year, ran a support group for individuals who supposedly experienced extraterrestrial
1: encounters. You mean butthole-poking? Yeah, diddling.
0: Diddling. And released a UFO encyclopedia book in 1991. The group also applies constant pressure on the UK government asking for full disclosure about their knowledge and research on UFOs. Around this time, while pursuing a local bookstore, Gary stumbles upon The Hacker's Handbook by Hugo Cornwall. Specifically, he found a first edition copy of the book, which has now been banned as it revealed far too much knowledge to the general public. Gary burned through the book, absorbing every bit of knowledge about gaining access to the restricted. Then, Gary starts playing around with what is truly possible in this new toolset. Specifically, he starts brainstorming a common sentiment among the UFO community. The government is hiding valuable knowledge about UFOs and extraterrestrial life.
1: Hugo Cornwalls is gonna help him
0: out. Yeah, from the 80s.
1: These guys have, so far, very good names. Gotta say better names than most of the other stories. That's
0: true. That's very true. I'll give it to you. What? <laughs> What's the next thing? <laughs> Across the pond in 1993, Stephen Greer, a highly <laughs> fucking loser. Oh, It's no Hugo Cornwall.
1: No. Hi, I'm Stephen Greer. Um, I'm in the US and
0: I suck. <laughs> Stephen Greer, a highly regarded ufologist, founds the Disclosure Project. The goal of this project was to disclose the government's knowledge of UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligence, and advanced energy propulsion systems to the public. Greer also sought to grant amnesty to government whistleblowers who would violate security oaths by sharing this classified information. In May of 2001, he would hold a press conference that featured 20 retired Air Force, Federal Aviation Administration, and intelligence officers speaking of their experiences. Greatly mocked by the general majority, with a BBC reporter describing it as the strangest ever news conference hosted by the Washington's August National Press Club, Gary was hooked.
1: (laughs) That's a mouthful.
0: Yeah, it was. A bunch of nerds, man. Bunch of journalistic nerds
1: fighter pilots and cool people who are retired yeah that is something though i have seen um obviously not as much as you have <laughs> kind of gotten into it but the videos or even people speaking about encounters they've had and aircrafts and mm-hmm. all that crazy stuff which i'm always skeptical of the amount of of reports and the exact nature of UFOs. Right. But big universe,
0: very likely. Oh, we can get into my theories. Well, not my theories, but what I commonly believe and what is discussed. But we got a story to
1: tell. Yeah. <laughs> Enough about us. Enough about us. More Let's get about back this to
0: Gary McKinnon. Gary guy. Yeah. In tandem with this press conference. Stephen Greer also released a book that catalogs all the testimonies at the conference and more. Gary swiftly picked up a copy and scoured through it. He became particularly transfixed on one testimony, that of Donna Hare. Donna Hare was a NASA contractor who supposedly was shown a photo of an unedited UFO that a co-worker was currently working on airbrushing out. What Gary found most interesting about her claim is that she laid out exactly where he needed to look. Hare claimed that in Building 8 of the Johnson Space Center, there was a whole department solely dedicated to doctoring satellite imagery that contained these phenomena. Gary now had the means, and the map, to start his own Disclosure Act.
1: So you're telling me a whole department... Yeah. And and when would this have been? This is like obviously pre
0: the, Photoshop any sort of that thing or uh, no, not not terribly. This the disclosure project was two thousand one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So oh I, I didn't know if it was like people taking pictures <laughs> like
0: with a just little, painting yeah yeah they they got a bunch of guys off venice beach at the boardwalk <laughs> they're like hey would you want to put your skills to no stop putting a big head on the alien we need the alien gone
1: <laughs> you just airbrushed this out we know yeah you got your plate you got your cool colors stop flicking all the white paint at it we just need it
0: out <laughs> stop writing angel underneath <laughs> it Slipping deeper away from any life of normality, Gary dives into his hunt for government knowledge and their concealment of free energy systems obtained from extraterrestrial origins. His first target? The U.S. Army. Gary employs a NetBIOS protocol which would quickly expose weak security. He scans a network of U.S. Army computers in D.C. using a remote access application. This protocol probed these computers, looking for weak admin and password configurations. To Gary's ultimate shock, many of these government computers did not even have passwords. He was immediately in. This simple probe from Gary took down the entire DC network for three days. The whole network included 2,000 computers. When government officials regained access to their computers, they were met with a friendly note from Gary. Your security sucks. Boss. Yeah. In New Jersey, military personnel manned the Earl Naval Weapons Station, a station with the primary purpose of supplying naval ships with critical ammunition. They would become Gary's next target. The promise of population-saving energy technology was his primary motivation, and within moments, he was in. This hack would shut down 300 computers on the base and massively disrupt naval ammunition supplies. In a freshly post-9-11 United States, this intrusion was immediately viewed as a digital terrorist attack. Gary McKinnon was now target number one for the United States on town.
1: Damn. did that okay. Well, just gonna say he's kinda <laughs> asking for it because the his targets Right. You're gonna target like the army and then uh naval fucking I'm just imagining like supplying battleships and fucking missiles
0: right yeah not great targets but this is where he thought the these like pieces of technology and evidence were and in all fairness he claims that he was like i like i was prodding into these networks and computer stuff like before 9 11 like it had nothing to do with that which is what the u.s tried to claim
1: got it also to make him like target number one there's some other people you could still get after 9 11, just say. It. I, that might have been my creative wording. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I'm sure they were still going after Osama instead
0: of fucking Gary McKinnon. <laughs> Gary fucking Scott North London boy. Gary was unaware of the price now on his head and moved on to his next target NASA. This hack was different. This time he wasn't aimlessly poking around, he had a roadmap. So, taking the word of Donna Hare, Gary started exploring the Johnson Space Center. Again, Gary was in their system with alarming speed. He surfed through many sections and folders and departments. Gary eventually found himself in a folder that contained a massive amount of images. In fact, all the images were in pairs. Each photo was notably labeled filtered or unfiltered, along with their naming structure. Gary clicked on an image. A window popped up. Gary waited. The image struggled to load. Gary closed the window. (laughs) Gary got angry. (laughs) Gary hit the table. (laughs) Gary got mad. He was streaming the other computer's screen across the net and struggling with a 56K connection. He went into his settings, lowered his resolution considerably, and set his screen to only 4-bit color. Then, Gary clicked on one of the images marked unfiltered again. The window popped up. Gary waited with heightened anticipation. The image started to load slowly from the top. This was it. He could feel it. <laughs>
1: I feel like this is all the old timey, like, not even old time, but like 90s movies of kids trying to download porn. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> slowly loading down the screen. And inch he's like, oh, inch. it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> oh, it's coming. I'm going to see something I like. <laughs> I'm
0: going to figure this photo. <laughs> the image finally finished loading. Gary was met with a satellite image of cigar-shaped craft. He recalls geodesic spheres on either side of the object. Gary remembers nothing in the image that he could use to compare for size, but the object was most certainly not (laughs) man-made.
1: I'm still thinking of him loading an image, and it's a cigar-shaped object
0: that he couldn't compare size to. Well, you don't know. Like, if there's... A watch in the frame. Wait, no, I'm confused.
1: I'm saying basically he described NASA might have fooled him and just had a dick pic on
0: there. <laughs> and he's unfiltered. I can't. Yeah, unfiltered. <laughs> this is our dick pic. Before Gary had any time to download the image on the screen, he watched as the cursor took control of the source from the source computer, closed the image, and moments later, Gary's connection was severed. Only days later, a unit from the British National High-Tech Crime Division breached Gary's apartment and promptly arrested him. A simple dive into the hidden knowledge of UFOs by the government would now explode into one of the most prominent extradition cases between the UK and the US. Gary was arrested in March of 2002, and in November of the same year, the United States began the process for Gary's extradition. The US claimed that Gary had caused hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage and considered his hacks an act of terrorism. This battle would consume the next 10 years of Gary's life. In 2005, the official hearings for Gary's extradition began. Gary's lawyers notably state that it was not right to extradite a British citizen when the U.S. itself would not sign an extradition treaty with the U.K. The Bow Street magistrates officially recommended extradition in 2006, though claimed that the ultimate decision rests with the current Home Secretary. John Reed. In July of that year, Reed granted the extradition. 2007, Gary's lawyers submit an appeal to the high court on the basis that the U.S. had been claiming improper threats against their client. In April, this appeal was dismissed. Next, Gary and his lawyers make a case to the law lords. This appeal was also lost in 2008. I love that they have law lords. Yeah, that sounds so sick.
1: That is pretty cool, and they still have to wear like the whole barrister's outfit when they. Well, they're do lords stuff. of law. <laughs> of law, we're the law
0: lords. <laughs> I am the law lord. <laughs> <laughs> the heightened stress and anxiety from the many cases and threat of extradition start to weigh heavily on Gary. This is only exacerbated in two thousand eight when Gary is officially diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Gary is now struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. He has openly recalled buying potassium chloride to kill himself during these stressful times. Considering these increasing mental risks, his lawyers appeal to the new Home Secretary, Smith, Jaquai, Jacqui Smith. Jacqui, J A C Q U I, Jacqui.
1: I'm not sure on that.
0: Jack. Jack Cousto. Jacqui Smith. <laughs> Thankfully, Smith rules she will not permit the extradition on the risk of self-harm. At the start of 2009, Gary signs a confession of culpability to avoid extradition and face trial only in the UK, a trial in which the Crown Prosecution Service ultimately brings no charges against him. They claim that while Gary did gain unauthorized access to the systems, they could not find any proof of the sensationalized damages the U.S. was claiming. Nice.
1: No damages. Such a good defense.
0: However, this slight glimmer of hope was short-lived, as later, in 2009, Gary was refused permission to appeal to the U.K. Supreme Court regarding his extradition, a decision that was remarked as, never were justice in the law so out of sync as in the case of Britain's rotten extradition arrangements. November 2009, Home Secretary Alan Johnson claims he cannot block extradition on the grounds of medical issues. December, Gary's lawyers launch another challenge to the high court. In January of the very next year, judicial review is granted. A final appeal to the now standing Home Secretary, Theresa May, produces an adjournment to to Gary's case. Two years later, May officially blocked Gary's extradition. In that same year, the Crown Prosecution Service formally announces they will not bring any charges against Gary McKinnon. Finally, after 10 long years, Gary's judicial nightmare is over. In his short run, Gary McKinnon ended up gaining access to U.S. Army, Navy, Pentagon, and NASA computers. It is widely regarded as the largest known hack committed against the U.S. military, along with his glimpse... Of the undoctored NASA photo, Gary also talks of an Excel sheet he gained access to. He claimed this file was titled Non-Terrestrial Officers and contained names and ranks for many U.S. Air Force personnel. However, none of these ranked officers could be found anywhere. This sheet was also found near another file potentially listing ship-to-ship transfers of ships that also did not exist. What Gary McKinnon discovered from these hacks, especially with the hindsight of our present time, is astonishing. However, they seem primarily unknown or talked about, tragically overshadowed by an exhausting string of court proceedings. In 2017, the Times officially revealed that the Pentagon had a surreptitious UFO program for some 10 years. With this leak, the public also gained access to videos the government had been holding in research of UFO evidence. We now know that Project Blue Book was run out of the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. While not experiencing unquestionable disclosure, we currently have far more openness from the U.S. government and others than ever before. Some of these discoveries align with what Gary had claimed since that very day of his hack. It brings into question if the true nature of those endless judicial proceedings were a genuine fight for British extradition rights or an incredibly convenient distraction from the findings of one man seeking the truth. Damn. And that's Gary McKinnon and his hack to find UFOs.
1: I really wish that he would have been able to, like, take some of the documents or... Right. Anything. Obviously if he, if he did this would be a much bigger story. Uh like be I, I would have horrified. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: Damn, man. But it's like why you know, why would he lie about that? It, it doesn't make any sense. He was tormented for 10 years dealing with like suicidal thoughts and to this day still talks about like like unquestionably still claims that he saw that photo. And all the photos we've seen because with Project Blue Book and all the stuff that the government has released, you know, they basically had a list of questionable videos and images and stuff like that and they tried to disprove them all and it, it was it was you know a small amount were not able to be disproved essentially. And all of these videos and all that, or not all of them, but a a large majority of them resemble that same shape, that cigar tic-tac shape. Like it's a very, very common uh, shape.
1: So it's not the um, classic saucer. Saucer. That's it.
0: No, not as much. It's the, it's like orb and tic-tac shapes seem to be the more common UAP, UFO, you know, construct but yeah. If if anybody has any doubts, I highly recommend there is a documentary called Phenomenon. And it talks about a lot of the government research and stuff like that. It is the one of the most like no frills. It's not like a discovery documentary. They're not playing it up. It's like very cut and dry, just talking about like dead dead facts. And it is very well presented. I highly recommend it.
1: I'm gonna have to check it out.
0: Yeah. I know. What do you think of our boy Gary, Gary big Hack Dog? Yeah,
1: big Hack Dog. I mean, I mean, very cool. Just the whole idea that he was willing to go through all of this just for UFOs, because right, he clearly could have gotten other
0: information that would have been a lot more dangerous. Yeah, but that like the thing is, he is he struggled. You know, he is diagnosed with Asperger's, so he like literally it doesn't get the. Like social cues of this is a government facility is just like oh yeah I I think they have the information and why would I I'm gonna look I can I'm gonna go look yeah he just he doesn't you know it's not like a malicious thing he was just like no they have it. I'm gonna what, yeah I'm gonna look I'm gonna take a peek I'm gonna take a peek I'm gonna it, your security's not very great that you, is also you suck you suck <laughs> yeah again the social cues not there but it's uh. Terribly uh, concerning how poor <laughs> our government security is. These attacks, this NetBIOS attack and stuff like that, is like really, really simple. I mean, it, it a self taught dude reading a hacking book from the '80s was able to do it. It's like it's so simple. It's terrifying, and it's not like we're not talking about the brand new internet. It's the early two thousands. Yeah, that's kind of scary. It's
1: terrifying. <laughs> and I know I know that in some situations even the government like DOD and stuff um they I think mistakenly think a lot of analog and like paper can solve some of these issues, mm-hmm. which I think is even more dangerous. Like you should be on the sophisticated side. Instead of, like, having project plans on legal
0: pads. Right. You should be bringing in people that understand the security and bolster it and, like, make it more secure.
1: Yeah. We can also print money, so it shouldn't be an issue of getting the best stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh, the poor U.S. Army and (laughs) the tiny budget. (laughs) We can't pay for our IT people. Oh,
1: no. No. Gary. (laughs) Gary, oh, no. Gary got us again.
0: Yeah. They were also like uh, a big reason that his extradition kept getting postponed and stuff like that. And a lot of the reasons they brought up is I I couldn't find out exactly who, but they are like in the most like legal and open way, like threatening him. (laughs) long prison time and tough prison time and it was just and the, his his lawyers were just like um you can't do this you can't just threaten a man a guy a single dude oh,
1: yeah yeah that is um uh, fucking cool I like it cause Gary went after what he wanted he and got he it he didn't care what it meant to everyone else cause everyone else was obviously like scared um government was like especially like post 9-11 they'd be like oh fuck like, yeah this it is
0: right. a rough time really rough time for him to be hacking into the u.s government in that post 9-11 world yeah
1: but all uh, like like fresh <laughs> almost maybe beneficial though because if he didn't do it someone else might have sure and it, it could have ended up even worse. i was hoping this story was gonna like roll into a little catch me if you can nail Like he gets hired then <laughs> and he becomes like the
0: consultant for the security. No, I think he had his uh computer rights restricted for a few years. <laughs> so he, he, was, the, he was put on timeout. I think he was put on timeout, yeah. But still an avid believer and uh researcher into UFOs and stuff like that. I've seen him do a couple of talks at I think he actually did one talk at a MUFON convention. He's a really, really interesting and like soft-spoken dude like the kind of dude is like it seems fanciful what he's claiming that he saw but like what what is he ha- he hasn't gained anything he didn't gain fame he gained tons of fucking debt and years of lawyers like and depression. yeah
1: i'm almost picturing now like um a ufo obsessed elon
0: musk well elon musk is a douche gary is a nice guy but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 funny to see cuz now we're in a time where NASA's officially starting research on UFOs and UAPs. There are government hearings about it. All of these retired, you know, Air Force pilots are talking about it. There's releasing footage. There I mean I there's new footage like every I feel like every couple of days, honestly. Some of it is disproven, but there are some things that are like There was one recently at a, like, air show, like a military plane air show, where this orb seemingly comes out of the water and, you know, shoots off. There are two cameras that caught it at two different times. Like, it came back. And then that similar, similar object, like, a a bit later, was then seen in the sky by the Queen's Jubilee. It was the Queen's Jubilee, and it was like that same shape and stuff was seen again.
1: Very interesting. Now, I have a question to propose to you.
0: Propose me. What? So Propose to me.
1: I've already done it. Yeah. Um, it, Thinking about it, uh, and if we break it down and, and try and simplify it, mm-hmm. it seems like these are kind of one-off instances from the alien's perspective one-off kind of instances of seeing a single ship or, or ufo mm-hmm. things like that who do you think then on the on the extraterrestrial side is like the i'm just gonna call them aliens to make it easy yeah who is the alien doing this like you think it's research uh you think it's like their government bodies are sending researchers you think it's just like Asshole teenagers who are (laughs) taking their like mom's and dad's car out for a drive. Go rip (laughs) her out early. Dude,
0: it's possible. What do you what do you think? For me, I think my and like there are many, many instances of different ones, as you've said. You know, sometimes they're one off and all that. I think I think it's research based. I don't think there are little green dudes, little gray dudes inside. I think these are drone-based ships collecting data because they all not they all a high majority of them occur around military outfits and bases there's a high number of instances that the government has released talking about a strange phenomenon coming over nuclear facilities and they shut down everything in the nuclear facility and then the thing goes away and it comes back up so like they're all they're always really seem to be based around military things. So I, I for me personally, I think they're like drone type things that they've sent out and are collecting data, research, yada yada. Got it. Yeah. I,
1: I want to think that it's some asshole teens. I, I, I know for you a do joyride. I
0: do you do. It would be fun. There was one little dude they thought was like this little gray guy in like a stand-up pod thing that he was shooting around in. I bet that's an asshole teen. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. ripping <it> around. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is a classified area of, what if they have, yeah, is there like certain places they could go? I'm just trying to wrap my head around it and obviously we'll never solve this question in the minutes we talk about it. But we I, I like to think we can we make a large dent.
0: We're small boy. Oh yeah.
1: Um. So the idea you're kind of bringing up is these drones, and like they would have to understand the com- like a military complex, and have to understand the the government ideas if mm-hmm. they are targeting these areas. Unless it's like some energy based, where like that, and
0: I don't know. Could be. It's it's mainly nuclear facilities, so it could be energy based.
1: Yeah. So maybe they're like scouting. Similar to like us going to Mars or trying to find like water supplies and things that we can eventually use. Right. Maybe. But it also makes me think that maybe it's like humans with just advanced technology that we don't
0: know about. But I mean, the technology is so advanced, you know? Like, yeah. I think certainly countries and governments are uh even us are researching and doing tests on you know advancing technology and stuff like that but it, the way and the speed at which these things move it's just it's illogical that somebody made this leap of a you know in technology with nobody knowing And nobody, you know, uh, being aware of it.
1: Yeah. And knowing people, they would definitely fucking commercialize
0: that. Sure. It'd be like Tony Stark. Right. And it's like, when you have advanced, like, military power, you know, say it was Russia, you know, because we're not claiming that, you know, the US is not claiming that any of, like, they're, like, we don't know what this is, um... If Russia is going to be one that be like, look at our, you know, our prowess, our technology prowess, they're not going to like keep it secret because none of them have been captured. So, you know, we literally can't capture them. (laughs) They're too fucking fast for our jets. Hey, some of the videos of Air Force pilots tracking them is insane. They're like, holy fucking shit, it's going so fast. I can't track it. Where'd it go? So, yeah, I, I think it's just the leap in technology seems too far you know yeah
1: and it'd be t- like be like an inside guy or like it's someone would whistleblow
0: bound to be somebody yeah i mean it's like how many times have we done you know have obtained intel and stuff like that like yeah. somebody's always looking for a quick buck
1: eventually it catches up right there's someone on the inside doing something sketchy you know it's like you can't trust them, you can't trust the the cops because they're maybe one of them is is in on it you yeah know? maybe one of them is an alien maybe or maybe one of them's like a serial killer you know like in cape may <laughs> mackie was on the inside everyone thought he was a good cop and no he was killing the kids <laughs> wait was mackie a
0: cop it's been so long yeah. since we've watched this i think we need to do a rewatch Yeah, 100%. for me i think we need to do a rewatch maybe a stream we don't know uh that sounds like a lot more work for us, but
1: <laughs> we'll we'll uh we'll we'll watch it. No, I'm down. Yeah. I think we should watch it. But yes, he was a he was a cop. And... He was a cop. Huh.
0: But maybe an alien. Could have been. He didn't die. He was easily more like Gary, honestly. <laughs> he had Asperger's <laughs> and killed kids. He had like his little <laughs> childhood
1: uh room like set up.
0: Yeah, he did a, a Gary poor Gary had a rough childhood. Although his mom Uh, like loves him so much. She was actually during this time of all of his trials and stuff like that. She started this big movement and support to bring, to like raise awareness for his cause and stuff like that. And I think she had a huge impact on uh, his extradition being denied because she brought to light, like this guy, this struggling with like depression and his social anxieties and misunderstandings and stuff like that. So she, she's, yeah, she was there for him, which is nice to hear.
1: That is nice.
0: Yeah. What a, what a nice mother. What a nice mama. Well, that was the largest U S hack against the U S government in search of UFOs. And Hey, uh, much more, uh, related to the internet which was good. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to skirt around this one. I didn't have to skirt around this one. Future ones, maybe, but you know, internet adjacent We're you know, as long as the stories are interesting, I think people are happy with it.
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: good. But Hey, if you are listening and you're like, Oh, I got a weird story from the internet. Try and hack us. (laughs) I stop. (laughs) Stop. I try and hack us. No, please. No, thank you. Our security is shit. Um, Uh, Not on MySpace, because you still can't get in. I I forgot the password. I I don't know. I didn't have the right password at the beginning. MySpace is a vault. It's a locked vault.
1: Oh, shit. What if all the UFO evidence ever is is on MySpace?
0: MySpace. (laughs) You think that they're doing music? Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. They're doing UFOs. (laughs) But if you have a story that you want us to cover and would love to hear, email us at weird wide web Pod at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at weirdwideweb.pod or hit us up on Twitter at weirdwidewebpod <laughs> I think or search us on YouTube and DM us there at weirdwideweb or weird wide web Podcasts. it'll come up yeah yeah do a little search do a little Hack. you don't have to be a hacker to find us no you just gotta be able to search well, thanks for joining me, Niall, on another great Weird Wide Web podcast. Yeah, thanks
1: for taking me on this journey that was out of this country.
0: And if you liked what you heard, share us around. That's all we ask. It's very helpful. Pass us around. Pass us around. We're like a, a gift basket at your local church. We're like uh, we're like the neighborhood sock. Pass us around. Huh? A lot of people have cold feet. I'm going to pass the sock around. Oh, got it. I get Wednesdays. (laughs) Thank you.
1: See you.